Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. Hello again, you lovely, lovely, lovely people. Um, This is the last episode of season two, which is really, really crazy and really exciting. I mean, it's been such an amazing, almost like year and a half, I guess, at this point of the podcast. And I'm just so, so grateful that you guys listen and care and want to engage in these conversations. And that's really means a lot to me. And today I wanted to talk about something that I feel like you wouldn't think of as a season finale um I want to talk about grief because I think that in the past year I mean it's very cliche but I feel like a lot of us have experienced grief whether that means grieving someone um or grieving an idea or grieving expectations I it's a lot and I know that I've experienced grief in my own life and it's it's a really hard thing to grapple with because I think it's such a general term but today I wanted to kind of hopefully make it a little bit more tangible and understanding and some people are very aware of their grief and some people aren't and I think it's just it's an important thing to talk about because one thing that I've also learned this year is that you know when we're able to talk about things they're a lot less heavy because you're literally sharing the burden so I wanted to start out kind of by getting into a little bit of what is grief and that's a very weighty question because it's a lot of things it doesn't look the same for every person which I want you to like take that in because it's something that I had to take in. It's something that you hear and you kind of just in one ear and out the other, but it's really important and true. Um, And it's something that I'll get into a little bit later that it doesn't look the same for everyone, but it is a lot of things. I mean, the dictionary definition is a response to loss, but I would also say a response to absence, not just loss. Um, Because the reason that I say also response to absence is because absence is almost a perception I feel like of loss um like say that you never had a good relationship with your mother well you didn't necessarily lose anything you didn't lose a relationship you just are mourning the fact that that was never there so I think that it can be the absence of something um also and it doesn't have to just be a person again it can be an expectation like in that case I would say that's probably more of an expectation you have this expectation of what you think a mother um like your relationship with your mother should look like or your relationship with whoever should look like or maybe have an expectation for what job you're going to get or what school you're going to go to and you're mourning the in some ways you can say the loss of that expectation Um, But I would also just say the absence of that coming to fruition or the absence of that thing in your life. And we hear a lot about the seven stages of grief. um, And I didn't, I'd heard that phrase before, but I didn't really know what they were. So just to give you some context, the seven stages of grief are one, shock or disbelief, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. Two, denial. Three, bargaining four guilt five anger six 
depression, which is the longest and most difficult stage of grief, um, and seven, which is hope. And when researching this, I mean, I think it's pretty clear just from experience and also knowing people, you don't have to go through all of them. And when you're going through them, you don't have to go through them in order either. I know people that have lost someone and they don't necessarily have feelings of shock at the beginning because it's something that maybe they anticipated if it's like a terminal illness and you know that's going to happen and that gets into something that we'll talk about in a minute but it's an issue because we by it I mean the like getting so fixated on these seven stages of grief um and I think it shows a deeper pattern in us because it's an issue because I think that we want patterns and we want diagnoses and we want control and so by by being able to list those seven stages of grief and have some sense of like, okay, I'm in denial right now. So in a little bit, I'll be in bargaining and then I'll be in guilt. I think that we're just searching for something to control because especially when you're going through grief in whatever aspect, it can feel, and I would say nearly always does feel like you're at a loss of control because whatever you're mourning, which technically isn't the same thing as grief, but um, whatever you're grieving, I guess rather I should say, it's often out of your control. Otherwise, you wouldn't necessarily... I don't want to say you wouldn't be grieving it because some things can be in your control and you can know that something's healthy for you to let go of, like a relationship. But there's some sense of lack of control or some sense of wanting for this thing to still be there or lack of control that you can't keep, say, a relationship in the happy times that you want it to be. And so I think that these seven stages of grief... Are really just a way for us to seek control but grief is more complex than just seven stages and uh, this chronological order it's you're more complex and there's so many different contextual things so i wanted to talk about a couple of the different types of grief so one of them is called prolonged grief um and it's listed just if you are looking at a kind of like a diagnostic thing it's listed as being any grief that's lasting over a year. Um, and people with other mental health issues are more susceptible to long-term prolonged grief because it can kind of mix in with other things. And that's also a hard thing. And that's why when talking about depression, it can be the longest and most difficult because sometimes it's hard to tell if it's really part of your grieving anymore, if it's just kind of part of your mental health. I mean, grieving in general is mental health related, but if it's just really a diagnosed disorder instead of just a stage of the grieving process um and so yeah you're more susceptible to prolonged grief if you have other mental health issues but you're also more susceptible to other mental health issues developing if you have prolonged grief which I think makes sense um the next is called anticipatory grief which is while somebody is still alive um because this is most often relating to death at least from what I know while somebody is still alive, you're anticipating their death. And I think that this leads to a lot of guilt sometimes. Um, if you listen to the podcast episode about Father's Day with Bethany, um, she talked about her dad and how she had this anticipation because she knew that he had this illness and was very sick. She had this anticipation that he was going to die. And she knew that and she felt like she kind of detached from him while he was still alive. And that caused her to have guilt. And I think that that's something that's really 
common with anticipatory grief. Um, and I think it is hard because there is so much guilt left over, which is, it is one of the seven stages of grief, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's tied to some order or anything like that. But I know that that's such an overwhelming feeling because it, again, everything is already out of your control, but then for the things that you feel like you could control it while that person was alive, like being there for them or making them feel loved, you feel like you couldn't even do that right. And then it just adds to the grief because you're feeling the shame. And another thing about the seven stages is you don't have to feel one like mutually exclusive of another. You can be feeling shock and guilt and anger at the same time. Like there's nothing that says like, mm, you're only in this stage right now. You actually have to <laughs> shift into this stage, like shifting gears. It's not like that. Um, And so I know that for her, it's been several years and she's not the only person that I know who's felt that way. But that is still like a very lingering feeling as where maybe shock isn't one anymore. Um, and it's the last one that I want to talk about is silent grief. Because this is one that I have a lot of experience with. Um, and that's where someone carries their grief alone. And it doesn't necessarily have to be totally like isolated in the sense that they're the only one that's like grieving this person like obviously that's usually not the case for many people where it's only one person grieving them um but with I mean with situations and expectations it definitely can be that way where they're the only person that really knows about it and is grieving them but this one I think is just more where you're carrying it inside and where you don't really give yourself the time to you know converse with other people and create a community and you kind of just want to move forward, at least in my experience, not move forward in the sense of disrespecting whatever you're grieving, but just move forward in the sense of like, I'm going to pretend like this didn't happen, or I'm not going to want to burden other people is another big way that this can manifest is you don't want to create more burden for the people around you that may be grieving as well. So you choose to carry it on the inside. I see this a lot with parents, like if one parent dies, the spouse, um, or partner, or whomever is also a guardian figure, tends to not want to cause the children any more grief. So they go through a lot more silent grief. And I think that's a, it's just a really, really hard place to be. And that kind of reminds me um, of a little bit more kind of that I feel like can deal with silent grief um, and kind of can correspond to it as outward expression of mourning. And that's kind of where I was going with this. I, it's so complicated. People, I know some people that have an immediate reaction when they find out someone has died or have at least in the past um and they find out someone's died immediate waterworks and I know myself included in this next category some people truly cannot comprehend it some people completely freeze there's no reaction and it's almost like you didn't tell them anything and it's not for lack of sadness it's not for lack of you know care it's just for lack of ability to process this. And when I was younger, um, I was going through a really, really difficult time in my life for my mental health and my physical health at that point. I was dealing with an eating disorder and I was really in the midst of it. And I had a friend that was near my age um, lose his life to gun violence. And that was one of my first experiences with death in that way um, and grief in that way because it was truly so unexpected. And I remember I felt so much guilt 
because I wasn't crying all the time like some of my friends were at least like at school or in places like that there would be times where I would be at home and I would just be hit by some grief but for the most part I wasn't really outwardly expressing it and in some ways I feel like I didn't have the capacity to um I just I could not there was not that space emotionally or mentally for me to really process what had happened and it took years for me to really understand what had happened and to grieve it so that grieving process kind of started in some ways later like there was definitely a lot of grief that happened at the time and again I did I did mourn and I did cry but I almost distanced myself from the mourning um of those around me because I I just couldn't handle the reality of the situation and again I mean several years later when I was in a space where I could almost handle that other layer of grief I did and that was one of the most painful experiences ever just to go through that and then you feel that guilt of "Mm, maybe these people thought that I didn't care they thought that I wasn't empathetic and it's it's a really hard process because I think that so often we can get worried about how other people understand our grieving process um whether that be feeling like we didn't grieve enough or feeling like we're grieving so much that we're burdening someone else. And it's a really, really complicated thing when you mix grief and sadness with guilt and shame. That's not a combination that you really want because you're mixing things that are out of your control and already blaming yourself for things that are in your control. And then I think that you get yourself into a really dark place. And it's it's a really difficult thing and that's why doing this episode I didn't want to try to put grief into a category I just wanted to try to give some tangibility to it because it is such a complex and multifaceted and nuanced subject um but I think that again talking about it is something that's really freeing to me and it's something that I had to do in counseling when I was going through that thing of grieving my friend and learning how and why did I feel guilt for not being able to process it then what did I did I feel like I was letting somebody else down did I feel like I seemed like I didn't care enough and that's the thing it's nobody processes things nobody grieves over things in a linear way nobody grieves over them the same way some people are more private with their emotions in general um and some people like me at that time just don't have that capacity to fully understand and have the wherewithal of what is fully going on. And I think that a lot of times, especially if it's not someone that you're seeing every day, it's easy to just be like, mm, well, they're still a phone call away and I'm just choosing not to call them. Almost like they're still there um, if it's a person, if that's what the grief is about. And I think for a long time I did that. And I have had to learn to have compassion for the way that I grieved in that moment because that was all that I really could handle um, at that time. And it didn't make me less caring it didn't mean that I loved them less it just meant that my grieving process looked different than those around me and that's just how it had to be and I think that if I had tried to put on some really really I don't like outward expression it would have been performative and it wouldn't have been I think I would have felt more guilt then because that wouldn't have been genuine that just wasn't where I was at um with my grief and it's it's just a hard process and I think that comparing yourself in your stages of grief whether that be also that someone may be ahead of you like why is this person 
healed, quote unquote, from this. I think that's also a messy process because I wonder if somebody thought that about me. Why why is she healed? And really, I hadn't even begun to process. So I think there's just a lot that deals with comparison and grief and outward expression as well. And there's also things called grief triggers, which I think seems very obvious, but I think it's important to give a name to. And grief triggers can last in the, in the sense of like getting you back in the cycle of grief um, for a long time, depending on where you're at. And I think that's why one of the first stages in grief therapy is learning to recognize your triggers. That can be anything from a song to seeing someone out with their parent that you lost, maybe. Um, and again, those grief triggers can send you back into a state or a cycle of grief for a long time. And it really does depend on where you're at. Because if you're in a state of depression or anxiety or dealing with a lot of mental health issues at that time, something like that can be almost the straw that breaks the camel's back and can send you back into a grief cycle for a long time and that's why I think that there's a lot of helpful support systems that you can put in place which we'll get to in a minute but I wanted to bring up those grief sugars because truly it can be anything it can be a smell it can be the scent of like citrus or orange or something like that it can truly be anything and it's really important and so one of the things that I've learned to do is kind of make a list of almost those triggers and kind of just be aware of them and also viewing grief as not necessarily something that's so negative. Being like, this is how I am handling this because I cared about this situation. I cared about this idea or this goal or this person. And that is how I am handling this. And I'm handling it out of love. If grief comes from hope or love, it comes from these good emotions. And I think that if you can reframe it in your mind as something that you're doing almost to heal... Um, but also as a result of those good emotions, it can be helpful. But again, there's also other people who are grieving and not know it. Because when you're in a state of some of these things, whether it's denial, which I was in in a lot of ways, um, for such a long time, whether your depression, maybe from an episode of grief, has turned into full-blown just depression, um, like clinical diagnosis, like you have depression, it's you're living with these things for such a long term that you may not know that they stemmed from grief um, or you may be in them as the short term just stages of grief and you might not know it because it's just it really can get so ingrained that you don't remember at the time before even if it hasn't been that long because I think that you're having to learn how to truly live without this hope or person or something and it's very much a separation in the sense that you don't fully realize where your emotions are you just realize that there's this line in the sand of this person or this thing was there before and now they're not and so it's hard to remember what you were like before it's easy to remember the presence but it's hard to necessarily remember what you were like before and so some people don't know that they're grieving and especially when it comes to long term and that brings me to the next point that everyone is grieving and that is not at all like hear me when I say this that is not to equalize types of grief grief is one very subjective like there's this um little comparison that I've always heard or that I've always kind of latched on to that is um it basically says who are we to say that an old man who's just lost his wife is not experiencing the same pain in his heart as a little girl that just lost her favorite stuffed animal because 
if it's so subjective and it's so relative to the person and their experiences and their comparisons. And so that's not to equalize all types of grief and all types of pain, but it's also to say that we all live and we coexist with grief and that it really is relative to every person. And so that brings me to also how do we live with grief? Because I don't want to say move on because again, we've discussed that not everybody knows that they're living with grief um, because it really can be so long-term. And often, even if you feel like you've been through and kind of healed from those stages of grief, one, grief triggers can spend you back into a little bit of a cycle, which is not to be so much of a downer as to just be like, recognize these things can happen and don't be shocked if they do. Um, and then you have coping skills to kind of deal with them. Um, but also because grief can come in small ways. Like you don't have to be grieving the loss of a person or loss of something huge. But um, when it does come to those bigger things, there are a lot of good ways. And small, some of these are for smaller things too. But for the bigger things, for the bigger losses, mentioned this earlier a little bit, support groups. Support groups are really huge, especially if it relates to a situation. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind is people who have lost um, parents or maybe lost siblings or maybe lost sons or daughters or just children um, in war, in combat. And those can all be specific support groups because it's a situational thing and you can relate and you can know that you're not alone. And I think that that is a really, really important thing. And I'm not saying that you have to do that immediately and I'm not saying you have to do it at all. It's really about what's helping you. But I think that that is a really good way when one is ready to talk about things with people who relate to them. And that can also, you don't have to go to a support group, but there are a lot of grief counselors um, who deal with these things and can really help you to work through it and understand the different ways that grief is affecting your life. Because grief is not only mental, it's physical too. There's things like loss of hunger, loss of appetite, loss of sleep, sleeping too much, gaining weight, not getting, like losing weight. There's so many different things that go with grief, fatigue all the time. There's a million things that can go with grief because truly your mental and physical health are so interconnected. Um, another thing is surrounding yourself with people. We talked about kind of these, when you're having silent grief and almost like a sense of isolation sometimes. Um, and that's why it's really important to surround yourself. And it doesn't have to be with people that are always going to talk about the grief because sometimes I think that we, when we are so consumed by grief, we almost get tired of having it be our identity. And so I think that it's nice to surround yourself with people who, for one, honestly, maybe don't know about the grief um, and who can just live a little bit outside of that. Because um, I think that sometimes when you know somebody is going through something really hard, and this can be great, don't get me wrong, people can treat you a little bit differently and almost treat you like you're in bubble wrap. But I think that at some point in the process, you want to move on from that. Um, and I think that sometimes surrounding yourself with people who don't know about it is great, but also surrounding yourself with people who do love you. I think it's about finding that balance as well. Surrounding yourself with people who do love you and who do maybe know about it and who you can consult about it. Um, but yeah, I think that finding that balance as with anything in life, but it's also like draining, especially when you're in a depressive state to find time to hang out with people. And so I think, you know, having people that will get you out of the house, again, not for something related to the grief, um, 
but for something that's just related to you. And um, that kind of goes with another thing is to kind of have like goals, which I feel like when I first read that, I was like, that seems like a little bit like it's demeaning the grieving process. It's like, move on. And that's not what it means at all. It's really just talking about having your own kind of personal goals because grieving, I mean, when we talk about grieving again, a lot of the times it's about someone else. Um, and it's not selfish to have your own goals and it's not, you don't have to quote unquote move on, but you can move forward and, um, still have a little bit of that grief within you, you know? And so I think that that's just an important except step in moving forward. And another thing is embracing all emotions. We've talked about that in the sense of grief and these emotions that are, we commonly view as negative don't have to be so negative. Um, because they're a result of these positive feelings and positive emotions and positive hopes and goals that are that were there and may be able to be found in the future. Um, and so it doesn't have to be so negative and it's really something that's natural when you embrace it in that way and you're like, wow, I really got to have this beautiful person in my life or I really got to have this beautiful opportunity and maybe it didn't work out the way I wanted or this beautiful relationship and maybe it didn't work out. I mean, I think that that kind of reframes it. Another thing is rest. Like we talked about physical symptoms. It's, there's fatigue. There's all of these different things. Um, another thing is, except there's going to be some loneliness, especially if it is someone, because while people can be there to support you, um, not everybody is going through that same thing. And so just fundamentally, there will be loneliness and there will be a sense of, you don't understand what I'm going through. You might try to, and I, appreciate that in some ways um but you won't understand what I'm going through to some extent um for some people obviously that depends on the situation but it's it's important that you are realistic and accepting that there will be some loneliness um another thing is moving with caution I think this is something that you might have heard before but when someone is dealing with grief and especially in really intense stages of it caution can go to the wind a little bit and decisions they say don't make major life decisions when you're going through grief for a reason because our brains are not always thinking completely logically and so that's just another important thing that I wanted to touch on as well um and really one thing that kind of stuck with me when I was reading about grief is grief is almost being stuck in a moment in time and so by doing some of these things like setting goals and looking towards the future um surrounding yourself with people it gets you a little bit more in the present and that's just another thing that helps and um there are kind of four key phrases that I read that help I think sum up um good coping mechanisms and good ways to heal forward with grief the first one is understand and that can be understand what grief is understand what you're grieving understand where you're at understand the different things that you might be feeling understand and kind of contextualize where you are at with grief um and then to recognize recognize things like triggers recognize things that are helpful recognize things that are hurtful um three is touch for me that kind of means grounding yourself um in everything that is going on in the present and in the future but also allowing yourself to touch the grief face to face not hiding from it not being in total denial of your own grief, um, allowing yourself to really dig into the grief and yeah, touch it. 
for is move. This does not mean move on necessarily, but it means move forward and in growth. And it's moving into these less predictable areas of grief as well. Because I think, you know, once you've gotten through that major grief for a lot of people, um, there's still these peripheral griefs that are there. And again, that might be related to triggers or other things, but allowing yourself to move forward, but also move into kind of exploring these peripheral griefs as well, I think is a really, really important step. And again, I think that it's important to remember that especially in a time like now, everyone is grieving something, whether that is a person or whether that is an expectation that they lost or an opportunity that they lost. Everyone is grieving something right now. And again, objectively, not all situations are the same, but grief is a very subjective thing. And regardless of how someone is handling it on the outside, um, everyone is grieving something. And so I think just moving with kindness towards yourself and towards others is really, really important, especially now. And um, I'm so glad that you guys have stuck with me on this journey. And I look forward to talking to you guys in season three. Um, yeah, thank you.